Our scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, Is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Good morning. It's good to be back here with you all this morning. Before I begin, I want to take a moment and thank Fred Van Solen, who is not here this morning, uh, for helping to lead worship last Sunday. I'm also grateful for the gift of technology that allows me to record the sermon and deliver the message without really being here. Uh, Because it allows us to stay on the sermon theme and allows me to continue uh, with the theme like I'd planned. Uh, Last week our family made the short drive uh, to Las Vegas, Nevada. If anyone hasn't driven to Las Vegas, you need to do so. There's some country that you'll never see and it is beautiful. Uh, We stopped at the petrified forest along the way, saw the painted desert. Um, Is it working? There's a picture for that. There you go, the painted desert. Uh, We saw some sites in Las Vegas. I only put clean sites in Las Vegas because there are some others that you don't want to show in church. Um, (laughs) uh, We also, the girls and I, went to um, Hoover Dam. And so that was pretty cool getting to see that. And then our family got to go to the Grand Canyon on the way home. Uh, Last Thursday night, we pulled into the Grand Canyon, that little town outside the Grand Canyon, and snow started falling. About five inches fell or so, and so we had this beautiful, snowy, but really cold day touring the Grand Canyon. Uh, It was pretty amazing to see all of those, uh, one, you know, amazing man-made attractions and things. You go to Las Vegas, you know, and there's the fake volcano and all these other things, seeing the Hoover Dam, and then also going to see God's even greater creation in the Grand Canyon, the petrified forest, the uh, painted desert, you know, and just all of the things if you drive that direction. Um, It's just beautiful. So it's good to be back with you all this morning. And this Sunday is the fifth Sunday in the season of Lent. And as you all know, we've been looking at different individuals from the Bible who have experienced and received the amazing grace of God. I'm grateful that Mark tied in our gospel reading this morning from the gospel of Mark uh, that tells us the story of Levi, the tax collector, because today's theme actually looks at Paul and about the change that he had. But I think there's some parallels between Paul and Levi that you and I are going to be able to see because both of these men were people that uh, others did not expect to be the ones that God chose to offer grace and to offer his message of hope and of forgiveness and to tell of the sacrifice of Jesus. And so um, Paul and, and Matthew tie together in a sense, but today we're going to be looking a little bit more at Paul, not necessarily at, at Matthew, the, the tax collector, Levi, the tax collector. But as you all know, this sermon series, we've looked at, at different individuals from the Bible that we've seen grace at work. So we've looked at King David, and we've seen the amazing grace that he received even as he was confronted by his sin, and he's, as he offered himself fully to God and said, God, 
I'm broken. I recognize what I've done. Please accept my forgiveness. We've also looked at the prophet Isaiah who brought a grace-filled message and a a hope-filled message to a people that were looking at their situation and seeing and thinking that everything was hopeless and graceless. We also looked at the parable of the prodigal son and we saw how God's grace is offered to all of us through his son Jesus, whether we recognize we need it like the younger son or whether we don't recognize that we need it like the older son. God has offered it to both of us or to all of us and gives us the opportunity to respond in kind irregardless to to what he has chosen to done to do because God has already chosen to give us his grace what is responsible to us and what is the choice for us is how we recognize it and how we accept it we also looked at John chapter 9 which tells us the story of a blind man who received the healing grace of Jesus as Jesus smeared mud across his eyes the man was then given a choice of what he was going to do with that gift that he'd been given because Jesus said you're healed but go and wash your face in the pool of Siloam And so the man either had a a choice or an opportunity to put that grace to work or to not put that grace to work, to stay where he was at. And we don't know what would have happened. I think he probably would have remained blind. I don't know. Because fortunately he gets up and he goes. And then last week we looked at the story of the woman at the well. Also in the, uh, and we read where, where she received the grace of Jesus as he offered her the living water where she was met in that place where she did not expect to experience grace. She did not expect to receive grace. As a Samaritan, she was honestly shocked that Jesus would even speak to her, let alone request a drink of water from her, and let alone offer her something that she never would have imagined. And so she received the living water of Jesus, even without being a part of the Jewish faith, even without being a part of the community. And her reaction is what we can take from that story is she went and told others what she had experienced and what she had received. And the scripture tells us that many came to listen and they came to believe all because the scripture says she went and told them, you have to come and see. And so this morning we're going to be looking and continuing our look in the New Testament as we look at the story of Paul. And we see how the amazing experience and how the amazing gift of grace was given him to God in his life. So I want to begin this morning by getting us thinking a little bit about Paul's life before he had his encounter with Jesus. Unlike others in the Bible who had their life changed by Jesus and did a complete 180, Paul is one that I think we can look at and we can see where he was not mired by his sin in terms of of how he was living. Paul was not someone that people would have looked to. And they would have said, oh, look at him. He's broken. He is sinful. Whatever he has done. If we compare him to the Samaritan woman or to the man who was blind that Jesus encountered there, uh, both of them, people would have looked at them and said, well, you know, she has many, she's had multiple men that she's lived with that, that have been her husbands. And so we can see her sin. Or the man that was blind, you know, people are saying about him, oh, well, he must have sinned because of this. Or his parents sinned. Paul, people would have looked at and people would have said that Paul was living perfectly because he would have been considered faithful. He would have been considered righteous as a Jewish man, as a Pharisee, before he discovered what a real faith in Jesus was. And so Paul's journey, I think, is similar to probably what some of our own journeys have been because he didn't become a follower of Jesus in his childhood. 
He decided to become a follower of Jesus in his adult life. And I think it's important for us to remember that Paul has never been accused that we can read of in the scripture of not living faithfully according to the laws of Moses before he became a follower of Christ. If anything, Paul's life would have been one that would have been lifted up and made or used as an example for others to look to and to follow. And it's helpful for us to read Paul's letters. Because Paul's letter to the early Christian communities and the early Christian churches provide us a snapshot of his life both before he was a Christian and after his conversion. And so as we read his letters, his personal life, if you think about it, is scattered throughout all of these letters. As he offers an overview and a history of his upbringing and his conversion, of how he was and where he finds himself now. So Paul writes that he was from Tarsus. He writes he was raised in the Jewish faith. He writes that he pursued a, a life of faithfulness as a Jewish man by learning the Torah, by worshiping and by following the laws of Moses. We can read in the letters that his talents and his abilities are apparent at a young age, which eventually led to him being uh, taken to Jerusalem or being able to go to Jerusalem where he was able to sit at the, the feet of the foremost rabbi of his time, a rabbi named Gamaliel. So Paul was invited. Paul was admitted. Paul was offered the opportunity to go and sit at the feet of this rabbi, to, to sit in the classroom of this rabbi. And to listen to his interpretation of the Torah, to listen to him discuss with other learned individuals their interpretation of the Torah. Paul had the opportunity to listen to him and to find out the ways that he believed a faithful Jewish man or woman could live in relationship with God. Those are Paul's words. He tells us those are things that he gave up of himself. As an adult, we know that Paul took up the trade of his family, which was tent making. And so in Jerusalem, he would have taken up that trade to support himself while also being recognized as a Pharisee, which meant that he was a faithful layman, meaning he was a tent maker by trade and then he was a Pharisee by, by also working to articulate what it meant to live faithfully in defending the Jewish faith. See, these are all Paul's words where he gives to us an account of who he was before he became a Christian, before he encountered Jesus. And he does it not to brag. He does it not to, to make us look at him and, and go, oh my gosh, he gave so much up. But he does it to let the early Christians know that he too had given things, behind in order, given things up and left them behind in order to be followers of Jesus. In fact, he writes this of himself. He says, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he's doing this not to brag. But he's doing this so that, though, that if there are those who are doubting his sincerity or who are doubting his faithfulness as a Jew before he became a Christian, that they might see who he was and who he, where he really was in his faith and in his practice of his faith. See, he's laying it all out. 
I mean, he even says, you know, that, that it, to his zeal, he was even a persecutor of the church. I mean, he went even went as far as, as joining those who, who persecuted the followers of Jesus, who were also called the followers of the way. He was one of the ones in Jerusalem who would hunt for these followers of Jesus. They would go into the synagogues to see who was teaching or, or who was spreading this message. Those people would be arrested, they would be banned, they would be excommunicated. Paul even went farther by being present at the martyrdom of St. Stephen, where he first heard Stephen's sermon, where he heard Stephen's testimony on, on becoming a follower of Christ that you read about in the book of Acts. And then he was the one that was willing to hold the coats of those who were participated in the stoning of Stephen in Jerusalem. It says this, Luke writes this in Acts, At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they as the crowd, the, the Pharisees, those that stoned Stephen. It says they all rushed him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, and Saul approved of killing them. So why is Paul laying all this out? Why is Saul laying all this out? Because he wants us to see that it was in his pursuit and it was in his persecution of the followers of the way that he encountered the grace and was invited into the life of Jesus. It was on this journey, after the stoning of Stephen, when the Christians spread out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and other regions, that Paul got permission to go to Damascus to pursue the followers of Christ. It's there that Paul began to, that Paul encountered Jesus on the road. And so in Acts 9, it writes that Paul went to the high priest in Jerusalem and he asked for a letter authorizing him to go to the synagogues in Damascus to find any followers of Jesus in order to arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. He received those letters and he set out on the road. Luke writes, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what to do. In spite of all, that Saul had done to defend the Jewish faith from the, of the followers of Jesus, Paul is now able to experience the grace of God. See, God had far greater plans for Paul than he ever could have imagined or thought of on his own. He never would have imagined himself being an advocate for Jesus, let alone a Christian. But see, that's what grace does for us. The grace of Christ met Paul on the road to Damascus and Jesus meeting him there shows us how far and how deep the grace is of God for each of us. And Paul ended up giving his life to that after he encountered Jesus. He ended up giving everything up. His relationships, his recognition, his um, responsibilities in being a Pharisee. But he gave it all up in order to be one of the most effective apostles for Jesus the world has ever known. God's grace led Paul 
to go from working to censor the words of Jesus, His death and His resurrection, to proclaiming the very words, where He said, Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as garbage in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. See, in his encounter with Jesus, Paul came to a place where he had to confront the sins that he had committed. He had to face accountability. He had to face the sins and he had to count them all as loss as he discovered and as he received the grace of God for himself. He had to realize that the path that he was on was no longer the path that led to life. That there was now an invitation to go further into God and that invitation meant being in relationship with Jesus. See, I think one of the reasons that Paul resonates with so many of us is that he had to go through the same process that all of us have to go through. He had to learn of Jesus. He had to learn of his brokenness. He had to admit of his sin. He had to confess where he had either denied or added to the suffering of others. He had to recognize that he needed grace. And then he had to accept the forgiveness of God and to receive this grace that God had offered to him. See, that's our story. That's every one of our stories. Like Paul, our sin is conquered not through our own effort, but our sin is conquered through the grace of Jesus who took the path of the cross for our sake. And so through Christ, we have peace with God and through faith, we're able to believe. Paul writes this to, his, to Timothy, I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus our Lord, because he has judged me faithful, appointed me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life, to the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, to be honor and glory forever. Amen.